Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you are here today for this very special baptism Sunday. I don't know about you, but I get really excited about this day, and we are going to baptize a whole bunch of people. I think we're baptizing six people after service at the end of service today, and we're baptizing uh, seven more at the end of second service. Uh, And so we're baptizing a whole bunch of people, 13 people in all today. It's an amazing day, and so I'm just so glad that you guys are all here. So uh, I don't know if you've noticed, have you noticed that kids tend to be brutally honest? Have you noticed that? For example, uh, I don't know if you've seen this online, but the teachers, there's been a lot of teachers that have shared really cool, really brutally honest, funny things that kids have said on tests and writing prompts and things like that. I'm so glad teachers have shared this. I'm sure they got permission. Uh, But I want to share some of these, kind of like this first one. Uh, This teacher gave us a math problem, and and this is what what it said. Write a real-life story to go with this number sentence. Also solve the problem. And this is what she wrote. She wrote, Ella got uh, 24 of her mom's nerves. Soon she got on nine more. How many total nerves did Ella get on? 33 nerves. I mean, if that's not real life, I don't know what is. And moms are going, yeah, Ella knows it, right? And I'm sure mom is reading that going, yeah, that makes sense. Or this one, I love this. This is simply a book review from a nine-year-old on Charlotte's Web. Depressing, don't read. <clears throat> three. Have you ever read a book review that was three words? And let's be honest, fairly good and fairly honest, right? Pretty accurate, I would say. Depressing. Don't read. I love that. Or this writing prompt. Who is your hero? My father. Why do you consider this person a hero? He's not afraid of anything. Is there anything your hero is afraid of? My mother. That's <laughs> just so, so good. The truth is that honesty is really hilarious sometimes, and sometimes we just have to recognize that honesty is just really, really good, isn't it? Honesty is something that we don't always like to hear, but it's something that is refreshing when we do because we know it's honest. Well, the reason I bring that up is because today is the second week in our series that is simply called Let's Get Real. We are not messing around in this series. We are not kind of trying to be nice. We're just going to get real. We're going to be honest about what it looks like, what it means for you and I, if you're a follower of Christ, and some of you in here, I know you haven't made that decision yet. You're not sure where you're at with God. You're not even sure if you believe in Jesus and the Bible and all this stuff. That's okay. We're glad you're here. This is a safe place for you to discover that. But we are here getting real really honest, about what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you've thrown your lot in, if you've chosen to follow Christ, what should it look like? And that's what we're actually going to talk about specifically today, is what does it look like when you've made that decision to set aside this life and go to a new life with Jesus? What should it look like, at least according to the Bible, according to Scripture? And so we're going to get real about that today. And so I want to start actually with 2 Corinthians 5.17. I love what this says. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now I want to I share this, that every person getting baptized today has heard this verse in the last week. 
The reason I know that is because we've met with every single person, either in a group or one-on-one or over the phone or whatever the case is, and we've shared this with them that this is what they're doing when they get baptized. It is a physical representation of this verse. You're going to see in just a little while after I'm done talking and we're going to move outside. And, and by the way, some of the rest of us might get to be, get baptized today too. A little bit of rain, right? Maybe. Yay. Exciting. You didn't know that, but welcome to it. But we're going to see and they're going to be standing there. That represents the old life. And then we're going to dunk them under the water. That's the new life. We're only going to do it for a couple of minutes. We've, they've been practicing holding their breath, so they're good. Right, Albert? You've been doing that, right? You've been practicing. All right, cool. All right. No, it's just going to be, we're going to dunk them real quick, bring them right back up. And that water signifies, it's not what actually does it, but it signifies, it symbolizes the forgiveness of sins that Jesus gives a person when Christ is made the Lord and Savior of their life. It washes them clean of sin. And so it's a physical representation. And then when they come back out of the water, they look different. You better believe they do. They're totally different. They've been washed over and they look different and it signifies the new life that they have with Jesus. It's a physical representation of that verse. And so today what I want to focus on is I want to focus on the fact that the old life is gone, but I want to talk about what does it look like? Let's get real honest about what it should look like if you've given your life to Jesus. Or if you're thinking about giving your life to Jesus, what would it mean? And I want to talk about that. Let's get real about it. So to answer that question, what does it look like when you give your life to Jesus? I want to go to a passage that was written by the Apostle Peter in the New Testament. He wrote this letter. It's called 1 Peter. And Peter got really honest about what it means if you've given your life to Jesus. And um, now understand that Peter was the same guy who miraculously walked on water with Jesus, but also denied Jesus three times when his life was threatened. Same guy. Walked on water with Jesus. Awesome moment. Denied Jesus three times in a row when his life felt a little bit threatened. Same guy. He knows what it means to be faithful and victorious with Jesus, and he knows what it means to fail miserably. And Peter, that guy, is the one that writes this letter. And I want to read the portion, and where we're going to pick it up, he's just finished explaining that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He suffered physical pain to take away our sins. He's just finished saying that, and this is what he writes next. 1 Peter Chapter 4, I'm going to start with verse 1. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, again, he just talked about the cross, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had, Jesus had, and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You're done with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious. You will be eager to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people, people without Christ, enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Peter doesn't mince words, does he? He just gets right to it. If you have accepted Christ, he says, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. You want nothing to do with that old life. 
that, that other life that you had before Jesus, you want nothing to do with that. We are setting that aside. We are moving on. Now, the truth is that this is important for all of us, whether you're a follower of Christ here or not. This is important. If you're a follower of Christ, obviously this is important because it tells us how to live. That we set aside the old life and we, we live in a new life. We should look different. We should be different. We should talk different. If you have Jesus, you should be different than when you were without Christ. Most of us who are followers of Christ, we, we recognize that. So this is important for us. But can I also say that this is important for everybody in here or online, if you're online and you don't believe in God yet, if you're in the room and you're not sure where you're at on the whole Bible thing and whether you believe in Jesus yet, okay, this is also still important for you, though, that Christians should be different with Jesus. Why? Because if you look at a follower of Christ and you see that they're living exactly the same way as everybody else in the world, what does that tell you? It tells you it doesn't matter if you follow Jesus because it doesn't change anything. Am I right? And let's be honest, we're getting real here today, right? I wonder if there's a lot of people who are not, they want nothing to do with Jesus, not because they don't like Jesus of the Bible, but because they don't like the people and what they see from the people who are saying they're following Jesus, but they're actually no different than anybody else. I told you we were going to get real. Are you okay? There's a lot of people that want nothing to do with Jesus, not because of Jesus, but because of the people who say they're following Jesus, but there's no difference. If there's no difference in people who are following Jesus, then what good is Jesus? I don't think the problem is with Jesus. I think Jesus is good. Right? And so that's what Peter's saying is, Peter's saying, yeah, when you accept Christ, you move past the old life. You're, the old life is gone. A new life has started. You're going to look different. You're going to act different. You're going to talk different. You're going to watch different stuff. You're going to listen to different music. It's going to be different. You're going to look different. It's going to be different. So the question becomes, well, if we're going to act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, be like Jesus, if we're going to look like Jesus, what does that mean? What did Jesus do? Well, very simply, I'll give you one word. He served. Jesus was a servant more than anything else. In fact, he says this, right? He says in Scripture, he says, and he's quoted by this, saying, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as what? As a ransom. My life is going to be poured out for everyone. Everyone who can't pay the debt of sin, I'm going to pay it. I'm going to be the ransom for everybody. Jesus came as a servant to be poured out, to be sacrificed. Now, so Peter starts with that, and believe it or not, that was the safe part. We're about to get a little more intense. Listen to what he says next. So he just finished saying, your life with Jesus is going to look different. That's what he just finished saying. Now he says this in verse 4. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. 
That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. That's not to say that, that they were preaching to dead people. They were preaching to these people and they accepted Christ before they died and now they live in eternity with Jesus. Okay, so, but what is Peter saying there? Because he said a lot of kind of intense stuff, this whole judgment and God's going to judge and all that stuff. Really simply what Peter was saying is this. If you're a follower of Christ, you will absolutely, you're going to, it's not a question, it's not maybe, it, you're going to face opposition from people. And some of them, as you heard Peter write, they're going to be your friends. Supposedly your friends. Your friends, when you start to change, when you start to act different, when you start to talk different, when you start to serve at church and you can't go to XYZ event or whatever because you had committed to, to serve or do something at church and you say that to them, they're sometimes not going to understand. But the Packers are playing. Or the Badgers are losing to the Buckeyes. How many of you enjoyed that last night? Yeah, I know. We have Buckeyes fans here, guys. Did you see them? They're over there. <laughs> and yes, we're actually still going to baptize some of their family today. <laughs> some people need baptism more than others, guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I saw them yesterday, actually, on the soccer field. They had their Buckeye stuff on. We're all good. But the truth is that sometimes people are not going to understand why we're saying the things we do, why we're acting the way we do. But we should look different and be different, but we're going to come up with opposition. People are going to oppose us. They're not going to understand why we're living the way that we're living. I remember when I was in college, um, I walked into the townhouse where I lived with several other guys, and uh, the guys were watching this TV show when I walked in. Uh, and I'm not going to say the name of the show because it just I, I, I'm not going to. But I'll give you the initials. It was called J.A. And it came out when I was in college. It became a, a very popular show at that time. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Again, I'm not going to say it. Uh, but they were watching this show. And I, so I sat down and I kind of watched. And I was like, okay, this is kind of funny. Really stupid, but kind of funny. And we were watching, we were watching, and then it went to commercial. And then it, when it came back, they had this little section of the show where they were, basically what they do is they do stupid stuff to themselves and they do stupid stuff to other people so they can laugh at them, right? They're laughing at themselves, but they're also laughing at other people. And this one section, they were making fun of Christians. They came out of the commercial and they were making fun of Christians. They were making fun of Jesus. And so I sat there and I was kind of like, eh, all of a sudden I'm a little uncomfortable with the show, Right? And I'm just kind of squirming a bit. And there's several other guys that are watching this show. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't, you know, and I was like, maybe they'll stop. Maybe they're going to go a different route. But they didn't. They just kept going. And they were like, they had everything on camera. They were just making fun of Jesus. They're making fun of Christians, all that stuff. And so finally it got to the point where I knew I shouldn't even sit in the room. Like I just knew that deep, deep, deep down. And so I tried to just quietly slip out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to try to make my exit without anybody knowing. That's what I was trying to do. Because I didn't want to make a big stink. You know, throw my Bible down. Forget you all, heathens. You know. I wasn't going to do that. But I, I, did, I did know. I felt I, I needed to get out of the room. I just knew that. And so I tried to kind of quietly slip out of the room. And a couple of my friends saw me. And they're like, Bickle, where are you going? That's what they, a lot of times they call me Bickle. Bickle, where are you going? 
And I didn't want to say, but I was like, guys, this show's not cool. It's make, they're making fun of Jesus. I don't know why you're watching it, but I can't. So I'm out. And there was this awkward silence, and they all looked at me like, you're going to judge us? I mean, that's, those are the faces I got. By the way, these were other Christians in the room. And I, and I, and I walked out. See, the truth is that when you give your life to Christ, it's going to force you. I'm just, it's not a question. It's going to force you into situations where there's a fork in the road. Right? There's going to be a fork in the road. And everybody is going to be going this way or doing this thing or not doing this thing. And you know God is calling you to do this thing. You're going to have to step away from the crowd and do something that everybody else is going to look at and say, nobody else is doing that. Why are you doing that? And the reason is because you have Christ. You can go with the crowd, or you can go with Christ, with Jesus. Let's be honest. It's a lot easier and it's a lot more comfortable to go with the crowd. I hated that my friends called me out in that moment. I was trying to do that quietly partly so I saved face. But since they called me out, I knew I could either shy away and make up an excuse. Trust me, I had several in my head. But instead, I, tied, I decided I need to tell them the truth in that moment. Now, are there other times when I failed in those moments? <laughs> oh, for sure. The question is, what will you do when you come to that fork in the road? When everybody else is doing this, and you know God wants you to do this. What's going to be your response? Where are you going to go? So Peter continues. Believe it or not, here we keep going, right? So let's go to verse 7. Then he says, the end of the world is coming soon. Now, he doesn't mean like the end of the world, like the world is destroyed. He means Jesus could come back at any time. That's what he means. Jesus could come back any time. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Now, this is a really important turn, right, in what Peter is saying. Because if we just stopped with verse 6, if we didn't get to these next verses, then it feels really harsh and really judgmental. But what Peter is saying is, you, when the fork in the road happens, you need to take the fork that God tells you to take. Now, here's the problem. What Peter's already said is when you do that, people are going to feel judged. Right? They're going to feel judged. But understand that us living like Jesus, we're not trying to make people feel judged. Uh, this is like, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this. This is like, uh, let's say I, I start to get really healthy in my eating. I, I really want to be healthier in my body and, and, you know, how I'm doing things. And so at lunches, I've committed. I'm just saying, I haven't committed this. I probably should. I'm just using this as an example. I'm just being clear, okay? So if you see me at lunch later today and I'm not eating a salad, you know that I was telling the truth, all right? But let's say that I was really working on getting really healthy, and so at lunch I order a salad. And everybody around me has got burgers and fries, and they add cookies as a result, and a little side of ice cream, and they're just, and they're doing that. And then they look at me, and they see my salad, and they're like, what are you doing, trying to make us feel bad? Like, well, look at you being all healthy and holy, eating your salad with grilled chicken, with the stuff taken off of it, and no dressing. Mmm. 
salad with no dressing. Oh, yeah. I can't think of, there's, there are things that are close to hell on earth that as might be close. <laughs> I'm just being honest, guys. We're getting real, right? Uh, let's just say that, all, that I get healthy and I do that. And the people at the table, they feel like I'm judging them because I'm eating healthy. Here's the truth. I'm not trying to judge anybody by eating healthy. I'm eating healthy because I should eat healthy. If your friends feel judged for you living for Jesus and being overt about it and being willing to pray before a meal or talk about Jesus or go to church when they're all going to the tournament on the weekend, don't worry about them being offended because it's their problem. We're getting real, aren't we? It's not your problem. You're not trying to judge them. I wasn't trying to judge my friends when I walked out on the TV show. I wasn't trying to make them feel bad. I just knew I couldn't sit there. I knew it was right for me to walk out. Are you willing to be that bold and that honest with everybody that's around you when they're going a different direction? So how does Peter end this? How does Peter end this? Well, as we just saw in that section, he said, okay, even though it's going to get intense, there's going to be opposition. Also know that we need to love each other. Did you, did you notice that he says that? He says, love covers a multitude of sin. We need to love each other deeply. It's not that you live this fork or this fork or whatever for God and, and you live for truth and, and then you hate other people. That's not right. Can I also be, let's, we're getting honest, right? We're getting real. Okay, uh, I would say over the last two to three years, Christians have done a really good job of making sure everybody knows what they're against. Great. Good for you. Thank you for letting us know who's supposed to be in power and, and what you're not supposed to do and all that kind of stuff. Honestly, not really that helpful. But what we can do, what we should do, is let our life, by taking these forks in the road and demonstrating with them, I'm going to stay faithful to what God wants me to do. But then in the same breath, in the same life, we also love people who are not living like we're living. We don't hate them. God hates the sin that the people are in. He doesn't hate the person. He loves the person. That's why he hates the sin. We need to love people. We don't need to judge them. Who did Peter say is going to judge people? God. That's his role. It's not ours. We stand for truth and we love people like crazy. We don't do one or the other. We do both. We do both. So how does Peter end this? The last couple of verses, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he says this. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. That means there's a lot of them. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it. With all the strength and energy that God supplies, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Which means, yes. So be it. Yes. 
So what Peter says in the end here is he says, now you are living a new life with Christ. You're going to have opposition and you're supposed to love people like crazy. Well, how do you do that? You use the gifts, you use the skills, you use the money, you use the time, you use the energy, you use all the things that you've been given in your life. You use that to serve God and you use that to serve other people. Not one or the other again, you serve God and people. Sometimes you serve people with God. Sometimes you serve only God and it happens to help people. But you do both. Serve God and people with the gifts that you have. Um, I was actually working on this uh, sermon this week and I was looking on social media. You guys know I talk about the evils of social media. I'm on social media as well. Okay, I post things on social media as well. So I'm not saying like I've deleted all my apps off my smartphone here that's in my back pocket, right? I'm like you guys, I have the same stuff. But I was going through some of the social media and I came across a post from, believe it or not, somebody in our congregation, Mandy, who's sitting here today. And she had taken a picture of a sign at one of our local businesses, Red Barn. By the way, side note, one way that you can really support and serve people is by supporting businesses that are here. One of the best ways you can show Jesus to them is show them that you care about them, not just their soul, but you actually care that they have a livelihood. Just saying. But she took a picture of this sign that she saw at Red Barn, and it was a, it was a quote from Irma Bombeck. I love this. This is what it says. It says, When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say I used everything You gave me. I used everything you gave me. Everything you gave me. That's a high standard. That's a high, high standard. But I think think that's the goal. Like that's the target. And the truth is that we all know that you're going to have more joy and more happiness as a result of doing that than trying to serve yourself. And what we tend to do, and I'm in the same boat, guys, so when I'm saying this, understand that I hear you and I have the same problems, but we have a lot of things in this culture because we have time and energy and resources. You know that we're like the wealthiest place on the planet, right? Yeah, I know. You'd be like, no, there's a couple places in the Middle East that they, they have like gold toilets and stuff. Okay, we can mince words later after the baptisms. Let's get into it, all right? But, but we have a lot of resources here as Americans. We, we are very rich. Even the lowest income, far richer than the vast majority of the planet. And the truth is that with that comes a little bit of a problem. And we actually have a sociological term that we've attached to this now. It's called escapism. We as a culture love escapism. We call them all kinds of things. We call it vacation. We call it adulting weekends. We call it uh, tournaments. We call it a lot of things, but it's where we, escapism literally is this. It's when we go to fantasy, technology, or entertainment in order to escape our real lives because we really aren't fond of our real life called escapism and by the way our culture does a lot of that and as a result we are looking for the next fix the next weekend we're looking for friday 
Friday. Oh, Friday's coming. Like we're looking for Friday. We're living most of our life in just so we can get to Friday to escape the life that we're living. And Jesus says, I want you to serve. I want you to give. I don't want you to pour into yourself, pour into other people. In fact, there's studies that have been done by professors, universities, schools, colleges, pastors, churches, hundreds of studies, and every one of them come back the same. When we try to serve ourselves, the joy and the happiness that we feel happens for a moment and then it leaves because we filled ourselves up and now we have to get the next fix. But what Jesus, what we found is in all those studies, when we give of ourselves, we sacrifice for ourselves. Look, look up some studies that they've done on college campuses. And professors will force students to go out and, and do something that they love, that they enjoy, that it's filling them. And then they go force them to do something for somebody else that they're not going to get any reward for whatsoever. And every time those college students come back and they say, my joy and my happiness lasted all day long. In fact, it went throughout the week sometimes because I gave to somebody else. But when I filled myself up, it only lasted in the moment. And afterwards, I was, I was spent. Jesus knows this. Sometimes the reason we don't serve church and serve in and through the church is because we don't have any time. Let's be honest. We're getting real, right? Let's be honest. The, the, one of the reasons we don't want to serve in and through the church is because we don't have any time to. I'm just saying, that's an excuse. It's not a good one, but it's an excuse. You can use that. Personally, I would just say that standing before Jesus and being like, well, Jesus, you know, I was pretty busy. Doesn't seem like it's going to hold very well. You know when you're caught in a lie? You know how you feel when you're caught in a lie and somebody catches you? Or saying something out loud that you never thought about before and you're like, that doesn't sound good now that I said it out loud. It's one of those things. There's another reason, I think, why we don't serve God in and through the church and in our communities. I think we feel like we're not worthy. I think there's a lot of people, I'll bet there's quite a few of us sitting in this room right now who you don't feel worthy to serve Jesus because you, you're like, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I think. You don't even know what I'm thinking right now, and it's not good things. Some of you don't feel worthy. I love, um, so my dad was a pastor, and my mom served with him faithfully for their whole life. And I love that my parents are amazing examples of this. Um, so in the church that I grew up in when I was a teenager, I should say, when I was a teenager in the church that we were at, um, they were getting ready to do this drama at church and they needed somebody to portray, to play the role of Jesus. I don't know about you, but like, that's kind of an intimidating role, right? You have to be Jesus. Oh, okay. No problem. Right. And so they found this guy who's a part of our church and and they asked him to portray Jesus in this drama, and he agreed, and he kind of had the longer hair and the, and the thing, and so he kind of had the look of what we think Jesus should look like, you know. And so they asked him to do this, and he agreed, and somebody, and I didn't know this, of course, I was just a teenager, so I, just, I know who played Jesus that, that, that year, uh, but I didn't know this part. But the background is that somebody else, I don't know if it's from the church or from the community, but somebody else found out that he was playing Jesus, and they let somebody know, I don't know if they let my parents know or the church know, but they said, 
I don't know if you know his past, but he shouldn't be playing Jesus. And the response was very clear. Oh, he should definitely be playing Jesus because his old life is gone and his new life is the reality. There's another gal that was asked to help out with some administrative tasks at the church on an official basis. And her main concern, you know what her main concern was? She said, people, but you don't understand, people know me in this community. They know what I've done. They know the addiction to drugs that I've gone through. Everybody knows this in this community. If I work for the church, they're going to know that. And again, the response was the same. Oh, we're, o- we're okay with that because the old life is gone and the new life is the result. Powerful life change. And so I want to leave you with this question. Are you using your gifts to serve God? Are you? Because if you're not, at least according to Peter, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, you should be. You should be giving your time, your talent, your treasure, your time, your money, your energy, your your skills, your abilities to serve God. Are you following Christ? And if you are, are you serving Jesus? Are you serving Christ with the things that he's given to you? It doesn't have to look like this. Very few people want to do this or are given this ability. You guys understand. I've told my story. You know I resisted this. I resisted this, what I'm doing right now. That's why I became a public school teacher out of college. Because I was like, I don't think I want this. I don't think God wants me to do this. But God does want you to do something. And the question is what? And are you willing to serve like Christ with the gifts that he's given you? So today is a special day because we get to celebrate people who have chosen to publicly say, the old life is gone, the new life has started for me. That's a big deal. Those of you who are getting baptized, you're saying, I am setting aside the way that everybody else is going and I'm going to go and I'm following Jesus. That's what everybody who's getting baptized today. You're saying, you're, you're drawing the line and saying, I've made this commitment, but now I want to make it public. I want everybody to know, I've made this decision. God has called me to do this and I've accepted I'm all in with Jesus. Both feet deep into the pool. Here we go. And so we're going to celebrate this. And these people have chosen to follow Christ and to give their life to serve God faithfully throughout the rest of their life. And I don't know about you, but I couldn't be more excited about that. So because we have so many people that are getting baptized this year, and this may be the new normal going forward, I don't know, but we couldn't get everybody on video. It was gonna, we would be sitting here for another hour uh, if we captured everybody, which would have been awesome, right? Uh, but we asked if anybody wanted to share their testimonies, and a couple people said that they would, and then we have statements from everybody else that you'll hear when we go out to baptize them, all right, in a few minutes. But before we do that, we have Lori and then Mark sharing their testimony of why they wanted to get baptized today. 
Um, so we're going to watch these and then just sit tight because then I'll send everybody else out of here. We'll get you out kind of in shifts and I'll tell you what we're going to do next. All right. So watch these testimonies and uh, we'll get going. My parents made the choice to baptize me as a child and without their devotion to the church and commitment to God, I wouldn't be here today to be able to tell my story. My story begins with me and my devotion to Northridge Church and my ability to be able to honor myself and God together, hand in hand, as we do this together and grow deeper in our relationship. The last three years have been many different seasons, good, bad, and really difficult. And without the people around me, the support system, my family, my friends, my church, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that is the journey that I'm going to tell you about today. It's more than just being a good guy, a good person. And in the last week, I learned that by watching a movie with my daughter called The Bad Guys. And it's more than just being a good person. It's living through and with God. And I'm ready to take another step forward at having a deeper relationship with Him. As I continue the process of being who God wants me to be, I realized that it's not a destination. It's the journey of how I'm going to get to heaven and the people that I will encounter and that I will help and those that will help me get there. It's the ripple effect. I know I can't do it on my own, and I need God by my side, and that I need to surround myself with the right people. And the seasons will change, and the seasons will continue to challenge me. And I look forward to God's opportunities that He throws my way that will allow me to grow, make mistakes, and move forward. And that's why it's important to have God in my life to direct me and I'm looking forward to making our relationship better, taking it to a higher level, and being baptized at Northridge Church is the first step in getting there. I've chosen baptism uh, at Northridge Church simply because I was baptized as, a, as an infant, as a baby, um, which I didn't have a whole lot of say-so in. Uh, it was my parents' choice, and that's what they did in the Catholic Church. Um, and then I was also confirmed at a very young age, uh, normally it's high school age. Uh, I was confirmed in the sixth grade because they brought the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders together to confirm. And, there again, uh, going to a, a parochial school, a Catholic school, I went along with it because I, it wasn't really accepting Jesus Christ. It's just what everybody did. And so um, I choose baptism now because uh, it's my decision. Uh, Christ has, has worked miracles in my life, I believe. Um, and uh, I want to show that I am uh, accepting Christ uh, publicly, uh, accepting Jesus Christ 
and acknowledging that Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood for our sins. Through this last year, year and a half, I've, I've battled some health issues and um, personal issues. And Christ has been with me, Jesus Christ has been with me the whole time. Um, I've gotten into the word more and I've been reading more, listening to More Faith Radio, and just feel that uh, I'm with Christ now and that he's walking with me. I met with Paul Bickett at one time, and he asked me, uh, have I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior, that he died for my sins? And, and I explained, yes, he's died for our sins. And he said, no, no, no. He, died for your sins and uh, so I feel that Jesus Christ has died for my sins and, and that um, this is a time that I can uh, reinforce to rejuvenate uh, my life with Christ. Uh, I was listening to a podcast about Extreme Home Makeover or uh, the ones where they, the body extreme home make, or extreme makeovers, and and uh, I attribute that a lot to what's going on in my life. Uh, they take something old and make it something new, make it something better. And I believe in accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, uh, being baptized, uh, that He's making me new again. So that's what we get to do today. We get to baptize several people who have taken a step. And let me just say, I'm really proud of them. A lot of people are unwilling to do this. A lot of people are unwilling to do this because it's scary. It's hard. You're, you're putting yourself in front of everybody to say, I'm all in with Jesus. And I'm so thankful. And we've got several... Uh, kids or teens or people who have recently given their life to Christ and we have others who have been following Christ but wanted to make this very public step to say I have been following Christ but I am following Christ even more now and deeply now and you're going to hear that in some of their statements so uh, I'm excited about that so uh, here's what I want to do those of you who are getting baptized and if you have somebody that's helping you to kind of get ready for this go ahead and make your way out those doors everybody else kind of sit tight for just a second so you guys can go ahead and go and kind of get out there and get set up all right so the, as they're doing that the rest of us uh, just kind of kind of listen up for just a second uh, because this is a couple of just uh, instructions so when we are ready to go outside, you're going to go out these same doors that everybody else is going out. 
and you're going to go out to the stairs. You're not going to go up the stairs. You're going to go past the stairs. You're going to go, there's a couple of doors out the back, and we're going to go out this back door right here. Okay, not these doors, but the doors over there. And we're going to end up out kind of on the back, and there's a hill. You can kind of stand on the hill. The grass might be a little bit wet, but find your spot. You can go all the way around the baptistry if you want. We'll face everybody toward the building when we baptize them. So if you want to see faces, you can kind of stand toward the building. Uh, but kind of stay outside. There's this bright green. You're not going to miss it. Bright green hose. Just stay on the outside of that hose. That just gives us enough space so everybody can see and take pictures and videos and all kind of stuff. But let me just ask you this. When you get out there, be, be prepared. I know this is church and we're like, it's supposed to be like this. Hmm. Let's be quiet and humble. Be quiet and humble, that's fine. But when somebody gets baptized, no quiet and humble is actually honoring to God or to them. And so you know when you get excited when the Packers or the Badgers score a touchdown, right? When you do, whatever you do when you're live, when you're in the stadium, when we, I know Wisconsinites can go crazy, that's what we need to hear, okay? We are there to say to everybody that's getting baptized, we're with you. We're in with Jesus. With you. We think this is awesome, and we're going to hoot and holler. We're going to cheer. We're going to clap. We're going to yell. We need to. Everybody that's around Village Park needs to know that something is going on as we do this. All right? Everybody good with that? Okay? So what we're going to do is those of you who have kids in kids' classes, okay, if you have children in any of the classes, I'm going to let you go in here just a second. Everybody else sit tight, and then I'm going to just give you guys like a 30 to 60 second head start, and then we'll get the rest of you out there, all right? So if you have kids in the classes, go ahead and go get them right now. Go ahead and, yep, go get them. And then the rest of you just sit tight for just a second. We're just giving, giving them a head start because they have to go get somebody and come all the way back uh, out to the other doors, all right? And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about this. We're going to go cheer, we're going to hoot and holler, and we're going to see these people get baptized. It's going to be a good day, all right? Okay, I think that those guys are good. All right, everybody else, you know where to go. Down this hallway, go past the stairs, out the back doors. We'll see you out there.